After an awful showing at the Gold Cup this summer, the U.S. men's national team will look to get back on track on Friday night against Peru in Washington, D.C. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, Ivis Galarcep, who is on location. Ivis, how's everything in D.C. going? It's pretty good, Garrett. It's, uh, you know, we're wrapping up toward the end of the summer. The U.S. is back in action, and we're finally going to have some games to help U.S. fans forget the nightmare that was the Gold Cup. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. But I'm asking you, how's D.C., man? You're down there. What's the vibe like? Things going well? Well, it's pretty quiet. I mean, uh, well, except for the, on the Peruvian side of things, Peruvian fans are apparently going crazy with the with their team here. Uh, Franco's been over at the at the Peru team hotel, and apparently there's dozens and dozens, hundreds of fan Peru fans there swarming the place. It's pretty quiet on the U.S. side of things. The, the business as usual for them. Uh, camp's underway, and Clemson's trying to figure out uh, how the squad's going to look for these upcoming games and how the squad is going to shape up ahead of that big game against Mexico. Well, we do have plenty to talk about. We will obviously preview the game against Peru. Uh, we'll preview MLS going into this weekend, and we'll do an SBI Q&A at the end of the show. But, Ivis, you actually mentioned it, and as everyone can see in the description, I, I don't know, Ivis, what you're thinking. Clearly, you've had too many Cosmopolitans because you've let Franco Benizo on the show to, uh, to debate both you and I. Franco, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. You know you, know you want me on. So stop <laughs> I don't know about that. You've been throwing Nobody. out you've been throwing out reckless comments all night. So even before this show, been, reckless. Gary's been DMing me on Twitter and being like, "Yo, we need you on. Come on, man, get on the show. Let's go." Actually, Basically, we we only need you on because we need to know why you had your hair bleached blonde, as if you're in like some <laughs> 1999 boy band with a puka shell necklace. I mean, Franco, what are you doing, man? Hey man, you gotta switch it up sometimes, you know. Bring it back, you know. Change it up for a whole year with blonde hair. It's okay. Franco, but, uh, man, look, you gotta work it, on your hair game. All right, well, listen. Enough of the hair. We gotta. We have to <laughs> tell the truth on the show. Franco's been begging us for a long time to come on the show. He's <laughs> eager to make his mark. He's he's eager to become famous. That's what it comes down to. He's hungry for fame. He's gonna come on the show, and he thinks he's gonna start his career. He wants to become the Peruvian Skip Bayless, and I think this is, could be the first step toward that. <laughs> Yeah, the, the SBI show is a trampoline to stardom, so... Yeah, we've got that friend. Garrett, how do you feel about that? Is it? Is it? I, I mean... <laughs> I, I hope people come up to me in bars and start offering me, you know, mimosas or no, Cosmos I, I or whatever I've been offered. I've been offered one Cosmo, and that's it, Franco. So it's not like I'm, that's like, swimming in me. drinks. One more than me, man. Franco gets to enough drinks. See, but Franco, it's not about getting drinks to the bar. He's doing it because you love it. It's not a new thing. Come on. Don't be mean, Ivis. Franco, Ivis and I don't do it. We just do the show because, you know, Ivis and I are best friends. I mean, he's going to be the best man at the wedding. So that's why we do it. It's pure love. I am. Actually, the only reason I'm the best man is because you want me to handle the bachelor party. That's pretty much it. Yeah. That. I feel like that could be a lot of trouble. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, Ivis. Well, we got to talk about the U.S. men's national team. They play Peru on Friday. A- actually, in-, in all seriousness, Ivis, is it going to be difficult for you on Friday? Well, I'm going to be fine. Uh, Franco's going to be wearing his no- Norberto <laughs> Solano throwback jersey. Um, nah, we'll be good. Listen. I'm just I- concerned I- about you, Ivis, you know, because I-, I know I'm, you're I'm a USA be- fan, <laughs> but you have Peru, Peru roots. I'm not a fan of any – I'm not a USA fan. I'm not a U.S. national team. I am an American. But I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm a fan of the U.S. National Team. Franco is, is was when I found Franco. He was a hardcore diehard, you know, wearing wearing the the scarf around the neck, hardcore U.S. fan. Now he's converted to journalist. 
He's made the full conversion. Now he actually hates the U.S. national team. Um, so it's, <laughs> you know, it's come full circle. But, uh, no, with Peru, you know, I'll be fine. Frank will be fine. You know, we, we both root for Peru. Um, but there's no emotion there. Once we get, It's just going to be another game, just another cap. It's like, going to be like my 120th game. Um, it'll be cool to see to see the Peruvians converging from all, from all over the Northeast. Uh, I, I will admit I was I wish I could be at the Peru Columbia match up in Jersey. I think that that's going to be a that's going to be a great one because uh, obviously Jersey has the most Peruvians, has the best Peruvian food. You know, it's where it's at. But uh, unfortunately, I'll settle for this game. No I chance. think it'll be a, I think it'll be a good one. Yeah. Uh, well, Ivis uh, and Franco too. As you know, going into this um, going into this game, a lot of question marks. On a lot of different positions, one of those was uh, goalkeeper. You know, is it going to be Brad Guzan? Is it going to be Tim Howard? And as we always know with Jurgen, I mean, you know, he just kind of drops little hints here and there, but kind of really never says, you know, directly fat, this guy's going to be starter. Well, he's done that now. He announced Brad Guzan will start the game against Mexico. And I was, you know, when I first heard this, I was kind of surprised by it because why was if Brad has two bad performances against Peru and Brazil? Tim Howard's in such good form. It was kind of strange that Jurgen Klinsmann would announce Brad Guzan as a starter even before the first game. Uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say it's surprising. I, I wouldn't say I, I necessarily agree with the decision, but I understand why he's doing it. He, he wants to give Brad Guzan full support. Tim Howard's been away for a year. Do you just snatch the job away from Guzan so quickly? If you make it an open competition right off the bat, I, th- I feel like that's a, it can't, you can see that as a bit of a slap in the face for Guzan, who's done an admirable job in goal. Uh, will there be a competition for that job? I'm sure there will be. But right now, with that Mexico game looming so soon, I can see why Clinton wants to stick with Guzan, keep him in the fold, make Tim Howard kind of earn his place back in the squad. And I think Tim Howard's got to understand that. And he's a competitor. I'm sure he's not happy about it. You know, li- listening in the, to him today, answering questions, you could tell he, he was not. He was a little on edge. It was not the usual laid-back Tim Howard. He was a little on edge. You know, you had some reporters asking questions about him. You had at least you had one reporter calling him a backup to his face, and you know all that, all that, all that stuff. Oh, so he, he he didn't take too kindly. I'm not going to say who that was, <clears throat> Doug McIntyre, but uh, you know it, it was <laughs> it was. By the Doug's here, by the way. He can't uh, he, he unfortunately can't be on the show because you know we, we can't afford his appearance fee. But uh, you know he, he, uh, it's uh, Tim, Tim is on edge a little, but he's a competitor and he'll be okay. He'll deal with it. Brad Guzan, I, I think he's earned this opportunity. For these games and for that Mexico game, if it's me though, I'm starting Tim Howard. I think Tim Howard, straight up, I think he's the better goalkeeper. But I can understand, you know, it's not just as simple as that. It's the team dynamic. Guzan's been the guy. You don't just yank it from him. I can see, I can totally see where Klinsman's coming from. It's still kind of odd. It's still kind of odd for me, uh, given that he's come into this to camp and these two games, saying said, you know, everyone needs to kind of make their, their state their claim and make a mark and. From forward on, it's wide open. Center back, it's wide open. And then at fullback, he's also said, you know, right now it's kind of wide open. Obviously, he's going with Demarcus Beasley and Fabian Johnson as his main two options. Uh, you know, come October if they're healthy. But uh, you know, the, the recurring theme is that it's pretty wide open at this point, and people just really need to make their mark and stake their claims and, and uh, show him what they're about. You know, he said it's sink or swim time. Uh, so it's kind of odd that at goalkeeper, he's kind of just settling with with Brad Guzan. Uh, like I said, I I, I kind of understand the rationale. Uh, but it's, again, it's still a little odd, just given how well Tim Howard has started the season uh, and, and all the experience he has. You know, October is a, a do-or-die game. You either win and you're in the Confederations Cup, or, or you lose and you know you're looking at uh, you know a pretty down year for the U.S. team. So 
Uh, I, I too would start Tim Howard uh, at this point, or at least give him a shot to start. Let him prove himself in one game. Give Brad Guzan a game. Maybe uh, this... and, and, and you know let yeah, him go from there. Yeah, here's my thing, and and you bring up all these points, but the, when it comes down to the, di- the big difference between Tim Howard and all those other guys involved in all those other competitions, is that none of those other guys took a whole year off. None of those other guys stepped away and said, "I'm going to take a year exactly. off." Exactly. And you you can't just take a year off and walk right in. You just can't do it. And, you know, precedent's already been set. We already know what happened with Landon Donovan. And if you're Jurgen Klinsmann, you know, well, it's going to look... Well, clearly Jurgen Klinsmann, you know, he, clearly this proves that he holds grudges it, against people that walk it, away. It's not a grudge. It's, it's no, about come on, Ivis, you know it is. It does, it does, it's not a good look. It doesn't set a good precedent within a group. Well, no, you can't. Yeah, you can't. Brad so, was so great in the Gold Cup. You can't rip that from him. Right. So the thing is, Tim, it's not to say Tim's never going to start again, but... It's a little early to just rush him back in. At least that's the, that, you know, if you're Jurgen, you have to look at that and say, you know, how, how would that affect the team? Can I just plug him right back in? I, like for me, you know, I, you have to factor that. It's easy to just say, oh, well, he's the better guy. He plugs in. But then what happens to Guzan? You know, like, where, where's his uh, – that, that really like, ru- you know, you're talking about ruining a guy's confidence, in, a, a guy who's earned that but, job. But no, no, no. But look, Brad Guzan had his chance to – to really impress and really make the position his own in the past year. He, he got he got most of the starts, uh, and he had the whole Gold Cup, and he didn't be really impressed to say, hey, he's the clear-cut guy. You know, Tim Howard, I'm not saying Tim Howard should absolutely 100% be given the starting job by Clinton right now, but I'm saying, you know, a, co- a competition should be had, just like every, just like another position. It, I understand yeah, coming I'm back. With, I'm with Franco on that one, too. You, know, you, don't, you don't want to mess up team dynamic, but at the same time, it, Brad Guzan in this past year did not take the opportunity by you know. I disagree. I disagree. He played well. He had he had one. You could say he had a shaky moment against Jamaica, but he's played he's played well for the most part. And Tim Howard is for me. I agree. He's a better goalkeeper, but you can't just ignore him taking a year off away from the team and say, uh, "Hey, Tim, you come right back here. We saved you. We saved your seat. We saved your spot. We saved your number one shirt." Come right in. It can't. It can't. It just yeah, can't you can't do that because well, then it will prove to other players that well, hey, no matter yeah, what, if this guy that, walks that, away, he's going to take my yeah, spot. Yeah, yeah, everyone just will take years off and hey, wake me up when the heck starts. But but, like, but, but I think the question though, the question though is, Jurgen did this before the Peru game, and look, I'm Brad. I'm sorry, Brad Guzan's not a guy. I don't expect him to have a horrible game against Peru and against Brazil. But I mean, anything could happen. I mean, what what happens now if? If Guzan performs poorly against Peru, then it's okay. We'll put him in there against Brazil. Has another end game against Brazil. I mean, at that point, it's Howard's. It's let's say Howard continues the form that he's in right now with Everton. I mean, he then should be the starter for the U.S. against Mexico in October. Well, look, look, you're, you're, it's not like Klinsman hasn't changed his mind before. Right? No, he hasn't. I mean, he, but so he, I mean, he said this, but again, it, I, you know, you, you can definitely even see it, say it then. I don't because it's a public. Show support for Guzan. Uh, That's what it comes down to. Does Guzan you know really need that? I mean, I, I think he does because Tim Howard is in camp now. It's a whole different. It's a. Uh, you understand how his presence in the camp has changed the dynamic in camp because even though he's quote unquote the number two, he still has that alpha male top dog swagger. And I've, I've talked to people who are in here or in camp, and they said the same thing. It's like he comes in and and just because he's been away for a year, he's still the man. He's still Mr. World Cup hero. Tim Howard, Everton starter, nine years starting in the Premier League. The guy is is, is he is the alpha male. And if you're Jurgen, you look at that and you're like, well, I need you know if I want Guzan to be the guy, I need to show him some some support. I agree with you. If he has a shaky game against Peru and Brazil, then yeah, that's going to open the door for Tim Howard to get back in there. But you you got to at least for now say I'm sticking with this. I'm sticking with Brad for now. Let me give him his chance. And you know what? Maybe that's that is the support Guzan needs to go on and play well. I love I love Tim Howard's quote today though. I'm not a backup. I've never been a backup. That's a mindset. That was pretty uh, 
pretty strong from Tim Howard today. Uh, you know, uh, it was, well, it was no good goalkeeper. No goalkeeper admits their backup. Hey, they Brad all Kazan could... was saying, "Hey, I'm number two, and I'm working behind Tim Howard, and I got to earn my keep." And that, when he was, you know, working for it, so uh, it's fine. It's but a, I just it's like, a, I, like, a, I, like I, I totally got Tim Howard's comment. I, know, I liked it. I liked it. But it doesn't mean he. It doesn't. It doesn't mean he's gonna like not agree. Like not take it. He has to take it. He's gonna take it like a pro. He's not going to accept it in his mind that I'm just going to settle in and be the number two. No one settles on being the number two. You're the number two because you lose the competition, but you're always fighting to be the number one. Brad Guzan, even when he was at Aston Villa backing up Brad, Brad Fiedel, he was pushing to eventually be the number one. But all these goalkeepers, that's what they fight for. So it's not like Tim Howard said anything that, that was that crazy. Like, that's that's the mentality you have to have if you're going to be a pro athlete is that you feel like you should be the guy. Yeah, I said I like the quote. I said I like the quote. That's fine. But I don't, I don't think it means all that much. I mean, he's a confident guy. Tim Howard's a confident guy. He's been a starter for nine years in the Premier League. He's been a starter for the national team since 07 before he took the break. So I think he's going to win the job back. But at the same time, I totally get why Jurgen Klinsmann has to – has to support his guy. He has to support Guzan because Guzan is the guy right now. Okay, well, we got to move on because there's plenty to talk about for the U.S. As right now, Guzan is the starter. The defense, though, you guys have been at camp. You've been able to see kind of what is going on. There are seven center backs on this roster, so you can have tons of combinations. But going into the game against Peru, Ivis, um, who do you think has been standing out as far as the <laughs> okay. duo players go? Who do you think will be in the game against Peru? Okay, first of all, you need the. I don't think you quite comprehend what we see or are allowed to see in these. Okay? We, if you I'm assuming ask that you're there the, the entire time. If, if you want to ask us who looks the best stretching before actual <laughs> training starts, we could probably give you some hints on that, some insight on well, that. No, you're there we talking to the players. You mean we the don't same get, thing. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. We don't get to see the training <laughs> sessions. We don't get to see, you know, like they're all giving us I know, you see 10 quotes. minutes, you see 10, 15 minutes. You said we see stretching. We see stretching. That's all we see. Well, we don't talk to the players. What are the players saying? What's the vibe that you're getting? Well, you know, players tend to tell us all the, everything going. They tell us everything and tell us the starting lineup. Tell us all that. Of course they do. Yeah. Well, no. Anyway, back to the point. No, we don't know what's going on. We don't know who's going to start. You can have some ideas who's going to start. I mean, if if you had to project who's going to start this first game, I think Jeff Cameron at right back is a safe bet. No, there's no natural, uh, you know, right backs in this camp. Uh, center back, that's a big question mark because, like you said, there's seven guys who can play center back in camp. There's probably six, at least five, who could get a look at center back in these two games. And there's two sets you can go with. You can go with Alvarado and Brooks, otherwise known as the Copa uh, Gold Cup Nightmare tandem. Or you can go with uh, Beasler and Gonzalez, the 2014 World Cup tandem. That That's going to be the big question mark. And we're going to see if Klinsman has learned his lesson from the Gold Cup. Because, I'm sorry, if he can honestly look back at that Gold Cup and, Gold Cup and think, you know what? I'm right, Brooks and Alvarado. That's the tandem. I'm riding with them to 2018. Uh, I would I would be a little surprised by that, and I'd be a little concerned by that. And especially now, he's brought Beasler and Gonzalez back in. He's given them a chance. I think we're going to see the veterans in there. Mm-hmm. It, it, and it, you know what? I, I you know maybe he splits one game for each. Um, but I can't imagine. I don't know. You got to go thinks, with the veterans, man. This is all about the game. Well, no, but here's no, well, right. But here's the thing: Do you start them for both? Or do you start them just for one? Because I, I don't know if he starts it for both. And if you had to pick the two games that you'd want to start the veterans in, I'd rather start them against Brazil. So eh, maybe we will see Alvarado in uh Maybe. In as scary as it'll be, as scary as, as, scary as it might be. Uh, or maybe we'll see Brooks Roscoe. I mean, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that Brooks, Wait. while he had his bad moments, I think if you partner him with anyone but Alvarado, I think he could do all right. I, and I, it, might, it probably won't be a Roscoe, but... I just I'd, I'd like to see him with someone other than Alvarado. Uh, Roscoe, I don't know. I could see Brooks doing better. No, I could see him doing well with Cameron, but there's no other right back. There's yeah, 
absolutely no chance that Michael Orozco uh, is starting a center back, in my opinion. I think he's, gonna, he's looked at as a right back. Uh, you know, I think Jeff Cameron is is the option there. I think Michael Orozco's the backup guy, just uh, just based off what, what the roster has right now. But n- no way I see Michael Orozco. Who do you see playing? I don't. I don't see him starting like, either. I, I, I'm saying who I'd like to see I, Brooks I think, paired with. I, I didn't think, say they were going to start. I think, like you said, there's two tandems. Uh, you can mix and match if you want, but at this point, they're not. You're not. He, he said Kuzma has said he's not experimenting. I think he's going to go. With the veteran guys, I think he should go with the veteran guys in both games. They, you know, they need repetitions. Yes, yes, played the World Cup together, but they haven't played much recently, and they need those reps, especially with with Brad Guzan now in goal. You need those reps. I think both of them should start uh, each of these next two friendlies. See how they do. Work out some kinks because look, October is do or die. This is not, there's not you know we're working towards the future. This is this these are games. It's crunch time and. You got to go with your best players, and and right now maybe Alvarado and Brooks aren't aren't quite there yet, especially not as a tandem together. So maybe, maybe you know will they be the tandem next next summer, or the summer after that, P- possibly. But right now, if you need to win a game, uh, if I need to win a game, I'm not starting. I'm not starting both of them together. Here's I'm the problem, I'm man. Here's the problem. You're thinking logically. You're thinking like <laughs> any of us. Thinking like any of us would think. You're you're. That's what any of us would do. That's what most U.S. fans would do. But we're not talking about most U.S. fans. We're not talking about common sense. We're talking about Jurgen Klinsmann and his love for these young center backs. He put them through the ringer, sink or swim, Gold Cup. Wrote, it was ride or die with those guys, and and they didn't ride. They didn't ride to the final. So. Yeah, if it, if I'm the coach, you hand me the whistle tomorrow. I'm starting Beezer and Gonzalez in both games. I'm starting them in, in October, yes. but it's Klinsman. Is Klinsman really ready to say, you know what? I'm not going to play them in either game. His pet project, he's going to put it on the shelf for two games. That's a little ambitious. I, I think could... that's that's it. I think that's what we all see as being common sense. But it's Klinsman, man. I just don't see him putting his experiment on the shelf for two games. I could see Brooks getting a start against Peru. And then you can go with the veteran guys in the second game, Buzer and Gonzalez. I don't. There's no way I think we'll yeah, see it, it, Vin, right. Alvarado I, against Alvarado or Brooks against Brazil. There's just no well, way. Well, that's right. Well, that's the thing. I think if you if you're there's two things. Either you can either try to project what you think makes sense and what you would do, or you project what you think Klinsman will do. And if we're thinking of what Klinsman might do, it, the most sensible like middle ground is okay. He gives the young guys a look in this game. And then he gives Beasley and Gonzalez to look in the Brazil game. Hopefully, you know what? Hopefully that's not the case, but we'll see. Another question, though, brought into camp now is who's going to be playing fullback? That has always been a cause for debate. Jurgen Klinsmann keeps talking about how he wants to mark his Beasley back. Okay, that, that's all fine and great, but he's not going to be here. You don't have any options. You have Greg Garza. You now have Jonathan Spector, who's been called in. Michael Orozco, Tim Ream. I mean, Ivis, the fullback is positions. I mean, that is equally as hard to guess as who will be starting at center back. Well, what's funny is Klinsman basically said, look, you know, I know who I want to be my guys in October. And it was almost as he was saying, it doesn't really matter what we do with fullbacks in this camp because I know who I want. I hope they stay healthy. I hope someone wraps them in, in uh, you know, in, uh, in protective coating so they don't get hurt between now and October. Um, who starts in these? I think Jeff Cameron. And funny enough, now that Jeff Cameron plays center back at Stoke, now he's going to play right back in this game, get a chance to see what he can do. I think he's a safe bet at right back. Uh, left back, there's two options. There's Greg Garza. There's Tim Ream. Greg Garza is not in form. He's been he's been out. He hasn't played the last couple games for Atlas. He's struggled. He's played right back. He's played left back. He's been a bit all over the shop. He's not in top form. He almost, from what I understand, he he wasn't even going to be called into this camp uh, before, until the Beasley injury. So looking at that, it's probably going to be Tim Ream. I know Franco loves Tim Ream as a left back. 
For me, I like him better as a left center back. But if you're asking between him, Tim Ream, and Greg Garza, Tim Ream's probably the safer bet. For me, though, I like – I know Frank will disagree with me. I like an informed Greg Garza as a left back more than most in this pool. I'm not saying he's a world beater, but I think he gives you a lot of quality. I, when he's on form, mm-hmm. he's a form player. He's not in great form now. But I remember those games he played last year, and he looked pretty good. He looked really good. Who's not a form player? Who's not a form player? Who, who's, oh, who's playing amazing? No, we're talking about consistency. Like, listen, there's guys listen, who can no, keep no, a certain listen, level, listen, and there's the guys who listen, can go no, up no, and no, down. Listen, listen. And I do not love Tim Ream at left back. That is completely <laughs> false. I, I, who do you like Me and you have talked like over this camp. And given the options, I take Tim Ream at left back. He had a great season two seasons ago uh, at Bolton where he saw a chunk of his minutes, if not most of his minutes, at left back. Uh, and, and listen, for me, Greg Garza, he, you know, he came onto the scene, to the, the full senior national team scene uh, last year after the World Cup. He had a few good games, and, and Klinsman was high on him. But at the same time, recently, in recent appearances, he struggled. And he hasn't looked that good. And at, at the same time, I, he doesn't give he doesn't give you what Klinsman wants out of a fullback. Klinsman wants fullbacks that push forward. He can't get forward? That, he can get forward? No. Yeah, but he can't. Yeah, but for, no, Franco's on. saying that Greg Garza can't that get that forward like Fabian Johnson. You know, release pressure. Well, who can? You're getting into the. Well, at this, that's what I'm saying. At, he, this, at this point, the, who, gets, it, who can get forward? Right. Who can get no, forward better? Right. Tim Ream or Greg Garza? Fine. Who but can get forward fine. better? But given the options Ooh, right now. Answer the question. Tim Ream or Greg Garza? Greg Garza, fine. Okay. But at this point, Greg Garza, what he does defensively is not as solid as Tim Ream. Tim Ream's going up against pretty good players in the championship. Pretty good players in the championship. Greg Garza, he's not even playing. He's not even playing right now. So, when, I, when's Tim Ream's last game? Okay. Last game he played? Last weekend. How many minutes? Full ninety. He was. What, what so he played mean? one game. You know, and he played the cup match before that. Two games. Okay. <laughs> so two games since the goal. But Greg Garza's not even playing at all. He's played three games. Greg Garza started three games. Greg Garza started three games. Greg Garza is not playing on a consistent basis right, right. now. He's not. He's, he's not played more games in the, the past look, six weeks look, than, man, than, look, than Tim Ream. No, I'm just saying that's the stats. Look at the stats. You do the Americans abroad in this camp. Right. In this camp. Right now, given the options, look. Just look at the roster. Clinton was pretty much saying. I'm giving up just because of injuries. I'm giving up on the fact that I'm going with fullbacks that can attack. Because Greg Garza, right, right. he can barely, you know, he can do it. Nah, yeah, barely but, do it. Okay. But right. everybody else is really much stay-at-home guys right, right. Even, or their center backs that are just doing this in an emergency. I think Tim Ream's your guy in this, in this, in this couple games. I think Tim Ream's on the left, Jeff Cameron's on the right. And then, like we said, on the center backs. I, I, as a defender, in my opinion, Tim Ream is – Head and shoulders above where Greg Garza is right now. Greg Garza is also younger, so you know it, there's time for him to develop. But right now, again, they're in crunch time. They're in do or die games. So you're gonna play Tim Ream against Mexico? I mean, if if Beasley's not healthy, I mean, what what other choice mm. do you have? What other choice do you have? I, I think I agree. I agree. Tim Ream against I would take Tim Ream against Mexico before I take Greg Garza over Mexico, who has nine caps, nine caps, or, or something like he has. He I, definitely doesn't have the experience that Tim Ream has had. Tim Ream has been played multiple years uh, in England. He's played in the Premiership. Uh, he's a, he's more mature now, so there you go. So I like Tim Ream better as a player, but if you're asking me if they're both, obviously if Greg Garza is not playing now, it's not much of an argument because he's not playing. He's not in form. All right, well, guys, sl- slow down. So, so here's look. We'll all at least agree that Tim Ream will probably be playing this weekend. And yes, I will agree with you. Also, Greg Garza going forward for the future is the better left back option than Tim Ream. Um, on the other side of the ball. You have Jonathan Spector now in the camp, and it's crazy to think when Jonathan Spector had this huge future when the U.S. was in the Confederations Cup, beating Spain, everything looked so great. Jonathan Spector kind of fell off. He's back with the team. I mean, is there a realistic chance, Ivis, that Jonathan Spector could see some minutes at outside back, or is it pretty much Jeff Cameron's going to be there no matter what? 
He's going to come off the bench, if that. Maybe a couple minutes. I think he's just cover. I mean, it's hard to see him coming in. I mean, obviously you want to get a look, see where he is. He's, he's, he started off the season well in England, but uh, I think that's a, that's a stretch, you know. Although, look, look at right back. I mean, it's kind of wide open, the fact that he's looking at Cameron. And, and it's hard to say where Spectre is right now as far as comparing him to the, you know, 09 Spectre, you know, going for even further back. I mean, that, so is, good. Is he still... He was good, man. He had his time. So good. He, 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 had, he provided excellent service. He got up and down. You know, the injuries obviously were an issue with him in his career. So who knows where he is right now on that. But it'd be, it'd be fun to see him to get in, see what he can give you for a couple minutes. But I don't think we'll see more than that. I don't know if he got up and down. He got What are you talking about? Oh, my All gosh, this guy, oh dude. Gosh, his crosses right were from deep. He got up and down. No, he did not get up and down. Right. He, he got up. Jonathan Speck, Franco, Franco. Jonathan Specter can move up and dribble. What? That's reckless on your part. It, it, really, yeah, you, you think yeah. he's crossing in from the other Dude, side of the? His he did have no. I know what Franco's talking about. Spain and Brazil were deep. That's what the only crosses in his entire career. You're gonna. Dude, he's not a, a, a quick guy. He's not an athletic guy. He doesn't jump into the. No one has like ever that. called him a speedster, but he covered ground while he got up and down. He like it. Anyway, not, that was that. Anyway, that was like seven guess. years ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. That Jonathan Spector. Look, we're let's just face it. He's not. He's not coming back. Oh nine, oh nine. So you gotta get it right. Anyway, no, I agree with Ivis. I don't think he's going to start these games. I, I think if at most he gets, you know, 15 minutes off the bench, the sixth, fifth or sixth substitution that, that Klinsman makes in these friendlies. Uh, you know, today he actually was funny enough that, you know, he just got into camp last night so uh, or, or, or Tuesday night. So, you know, he's, he's a little bit behind the rest of the guys. So he comes in. Uh, I guess he's a little jet lagged and he goes for laps with, and Klinsman joins him for a couple laps around the field while the other guys are stretching or, or you know, doing whatever we can see in those first team 15 minutes. But, again, I agree with Ivan. I think Jeff Cameron's the guy. Uh, I think Michael Roscoe's an option as well. Uh, and I think it's very hard that we see Spectre, you know, get, get any minutes here. Well, sad times once again, Ivis. Uh, I mean, no surprise, Eric Lehigh gets burned yet again. I mean, it's just he'll, he'll never get called up. I don't know what he's got to do. You know, I mean, he's playing regularly for Nottingham Forest. He's done it for a couple of years. He got his one look a couple of years ago, one camp. Um, I, I, th- I think we should just write it off. You know, I think it's, uh, you know, it's one thing. The fact that it's Spectre who's in the same league that he's in. If you're Lehigh, you're looking at that like, man, I wish I had no caps. And I go try to play for Poland or something. I don't, you know, it, at this point, anyone, anyone who was still holding out hope that we'd see Lehigh at some point, I think at this point that ship sailed. Uh, I read the SBI's comments, uh, and I know that Lehigh is popular among the SBI readers, um, uh, so I'm probably going to get bashed for this. But look, I, I, I don't think Lehigh is all that good. Um, what a shock. Another guy, Franco, is not good. Franco, is anyone good? <laughs> Nobody's good when Franco's concerned. Uh, four years ago, 2011 Gold Cup, he did a serviceable job, and, and he got forward, but he didn't do anything with the ball once he got forward. There's no assists. No goals, no chance, no real chance to create for him. He doesn't take shots. And again, Klinsman likes his fullbacks to get forward. And, and, like and, Evans, and do, you know? right, but no, but that that's in an, <laughs> an emergency situation where there are no other options. Right. And, and Lehigh defensively again is another guy that just to me one on one he's not great. Uh, you know he's, he's got some speed on him. He's got some recovery speed on him, and he can do a, a serviceable job. But at the international level, is that good enough? I, I don't I don't think so. I think. And I think there's Who are you comparing why. him to? Who are you comparing these guys to exactly? Are you comparing them to the, the fullbacks for like Spain and, and Italy? Or are you com- comparing them for guys in the pool? Like no one's saying these guys are world beaters, but we're talking about the pool itself and, and, and comparing them to the guys who are getting looks and not getting looks. And I'm not saying, hey, it's a trap. I'm not saying like, oh, Klinsman, you absolutely have to bring Lehigh. 
But I think it's a very reasonable argument that a guy who's been playing and playing consistently and gotten good reviews at Nottingham Forest should have, by now, gotten a little more of a look. No. Uh, listen, again, you can play, and it, but look, if the skill set just doesn't transition, doesn't equate to the international level, then what? And, you and what that, are you basing that on? He, I look, thought he had an okay goal yeah, I thought but, he had a Gold Cup. I, I don't know. You see your memory of it. Like maybe you're confusing him with Bornstein, who was torched no. in the Gold Cup. Lehigh had a pretty solid Gold Cup that year. So I mean, again, we're to, we're, we're going way back with these fullback conversations. We're talking. That's, that's how dire the situation is right now. Right? It is. We're, yeah, we're nostalgic for guys from four, five, six years ago. Um, but you know what? It would have been nice to see him in. Um, and, and I just, and I, you know what it is? I think the le- the, the Specter call up just just magnifies it even more. It's like. Klinsman's like, yeah, I'll check out the league championship, but not for Lehigh. I'll check out John Inspector. <laughs> we'll bring Inspector back in. So. And moving up to the midfield, there is no Michael Bradley, but you do have Jermaine Jones, who did look good for New England this past week. You have Danny Williams in there. Um, the U.S. is also going to have to rely on Alejandro Bedoya. Uh, Franco, I'll start with you. What do you see your Klinsman possibly doing Friday against Peru? Who knows, man? He always throws curveballs, and it's tough to really predict without Michael Bradley in there. Who who, who replaces Michael Bradley? Yeah. Jermaine Jones obviously steps back in. Uh, I guess, you know, technically, maybe he could do the, the Michael Bradley's job, and then you put in someone like, uh, you know, Danny Williams to clean things up behind him. Uh, it's, it's really tough to say, man. It's really tough for me to predict that, predict that part of, of, of the lineup. Uh, you know, I, I do see Bedoya uh, starting, and, and again, it's going to be tough because Peru – uh, in the midfield, you know, they move the ball on the ground and they move it quick. They're not the most physically gifted team, and, and that's an area where the U.S. can beat them. But Peru, especially if you watch the Copa America, they move the ball well, they, they move it quickly, and they move it fast, uh, and they keep it on the ground. So uh, I think you need a defensive midfielder that can break things up. Uh, mm-hmm. And I guess you can put Jermaine Jones in Michael Bradley's spot for this game and, and see uh, see how he does. Well, I'll tell you, I think in the middle we're going to see Jones and Danny Williams. I think that would be a good combo to see. Uh, Alfredo Morales is another option for sure. Um, I think we'll see two of those three. I don't know if we'll see all three. Uh, you have Bedoya back in. Uh, he, he's going to pick. He's going to pick up where he left off. Put him on the wing. And Jarcy's artist. You know he's done well in his appearances for the national team. I think he's he's shown himself to be a solid option on the wing. So I'll see, I think we will see those two guys. I don't know about seeing Morales out wide like we've seen in the past a couple times. I mean obviously he you know he plays in a kind of a wide left role for for Ingolstadt. But, uh, you know, I, I'm interested to see that combo, though. I want to see Jermaine Jones. I want to see Dan Williams. Uh, I like Williams. I think Williams is a solid player. Uh, and, you know, Kyle Breckman's not getting any younger. Nope. Uh, you always wonder kind of when the, the gas tank's going to go empty uh, for him. Uh, so, Williams, this is a good test, for, a good couple of tests for him to show, show what he can do. And Jones, as Franco mentioned, you know, put him in that rally role. Give him that freedom. Let him run all over the field like a maniac. Don't give him too much defensive responsibility. He can do he can do some things. He can score some goals from distance. He can he can you know hit great balls, get passes in. So I want to see those guys. And, and again, this team always relies so much on Michael Bradley. You want to see how it operates without him. I would love to see that. I think Zardis out wide looks great. But on the other side, Jermaine Jones, Danny Williams. I would love to see that. You move up to the forward position though, Josie Altador. He's scoring goals, which is great. Confident Josie Altador. We all know what he can do for the national team. So what you have to pencil him in. Other question, though, Franco, is what do you have out there? Do you, do you have Aaron Johansson? Do you have Bobby Wood? I mean, some interesting options here for your Klinsman. I think he's going to go with Josie Altador and, and Aaron Johansson. Tap into that Azad Alkmaar, that former tandem there. But uh, just touching on what you said with Josie, I think 
this is the camp. These are the two games where he really needs to step up, really impress, and, and create chances and score goals uh, because he just hasn't looked good. He did not look good at the Gold Cup, got sent home early, and he returns to, to Toronto, gets a frustration red card, uh, and then, yes, this this last game or two, he, you know, he scored a couple goals. But, look, I think these two games are going to make or break whether he starts in October against Mexico because uh, he needs to show. He needs to look, step up now, and Klinsman has backed him, and Klinsman has uh, given him the votes of confidence, and he's, you know, try to st- stick by him. But, look, at, th- at this point, the onus is on Altidore. He's chances, score goals. If he doesn't, then he's probably going to be riding the bench once October comes because he needs to show it now. Uh, it, it, you know, it's do or die time, like we've said, and, and I think it's now or never for him. Uh, otherwise, he's going to have to wait till you know, qualifiers, and, and then I think the onus is on him to really uh, make his claim. Well, obviously, a lot of people are going to be watching out to to see how he looks, and the word in camp is that he's looking pretty sharp, and obviously, he's he's had a, f- a few goals now with Toronto FC. You like to think that that's you know boosted his confidence and hopefully helps him out of his slump. I'm very interested to see Aaron Johansson and see how he looks. Uh, the Gold Cup was really his chance to shine, really his chance to kind of grab uh, a place on the squad, and I, you know I think he I think he fell short. I mean he he definitely showed some signs. He has ability, and now that he's at Werder Bremen, you like you like to think that it will develop he and he'll be better. Scored, he only scored one goal against Cuba. He did not have a good Gold Cup. He or in the group stage he showed some, but in the in the knockouts it was it was disappointing. I, I thought he was going to really I thought he was going to shine, but you know. He, he didn't take advantage of that opportunity, but now I think he's going to have this other opportunity to show what he can do, and hopefully for his sake, that move to Bremen has is, is instilled some confidence in him. He's already got his first goal under his belt, uh, and we'll see what he can do, and he's the guy that stands to gain the most if Altidore struggles. If Altidore can't, can't get it done, uh, you could be looking at a Dempsey-Johansson tandem, no question about it, so we're all going to be waiting to see if Altidore can snap out of it, but I think a lot of people need to keep an eye on Johansson and see what he does. Well, guys, I need a prediction. What do you think is going to happen, Ivis? I want to hear Franco. Franco's, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, <laughs> he's a... spot first. He you, love to, you love to make predictions more than anyone I know. Fine, fine, fine. Since you, since you, uh, since you little, uh, since you ladies can't figure it out, I'll go first. I'll say 2-2 draw. That's my prediction. Franco? Who are your goal scorers? Who are my goal scorers? Um, I'm going to go with Bobby Wood off the bench. And I'm going to go with Danny Williams. Danny Nice. Interesting. All right. Okay. Yeah. That's that's going on a limb there. Um, look, if Peru was fully healthy and they had their top striker, Paolo Guerrero, uh, available and healthy, I think Peru wins this game just because of how, uh, you know, makeshift the defense is going to be uh, on Friday. Um, he's hurt. He's most likely word around campus that he's not playing. Uh, in in this game, without him, they've been pretty much going with a third, fourth string striker up top. So I, I don't see that, that providing too much of a problem for the U.S. defense. Uh, I think they they pick one out early or in the first half, and then second half they'll you know they'll put they'll, they'll put it at two zero. I think Peru will get one here or there. I think, but I think the U.S. wins two to one. I'm gonna go three to one U.S. I think I think they're gonna they're gonna find the net. Uh, Peru could, uh, could definitely score a couple of goals in this one, and I agree with Franco. If, if Guerrero was in this one, uh, you'd be looking at at least one or two goals for him. Uh, but luckily for the U.S., he's not in this game. Uh, I think Josie Altidore finds a goal, and uh, I can imagine the celebration is going to be, you know, the, the are you not entertained celebration <laughs> that he likes to do. 
Um, but yeah, I think he gets one. I think Aaron Johansson gets one. And then off the bench, I agree with you. Hey, you know what? Yeah, I go Bobby Wood. I think Bobby Wood riding that momentum of, of those goals in June. I mean, yep. have we already forgotten the guy scored the winner against the Netherlands and Germany? That's ridiculous. So I think he gets another one. I didn't actually give my goal scoring predictions, but uh, I think Altador will score one. I think he needs one very badly. Uh, as much as he say, says that, you know, uh, he doesn't pay attention to that. His confidence yes, is always does. good. I think he's such a confidence player. He definitely relies on, on being in a good mood, uh, as you can see in the last few months when he's not, when he's frustrated, uh, you know, he lashes out. And so he's, he's a confidence player. He's definitely a confidence player. He's absolutely oh, that's, so that's a, a thing. Player. That's a thing now. No, he's a confidence player. Oh, okay. I thought that wasn't a thing. No, that, that, that's a thing when it comes to Ah, oh, Franco. Now we're talking confidence. Form and confidence are completed. Uh, <laughs> I think Altador gets one. Uh, and then I'm going to go with uh, Alfredo Morales. Let's 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 tie that in and put in. He comes off the bench and gets a late one and scores against you know the country he could have represented. One of the three countries he could have represented at some point. He scores. He he goes gets a Peruvian flag and he, he throws it on the floor and stomps up. Oh my <laughs> God. He I'm, just that. I'm just kidding. His father's from Peru. He's going to be fully respectful. Uh, yeah, interesting. He will not do that. Um, one other quick thing we do have to talk about before we move on to uh, to MLS, Ivis, is that it is not announced yet, but the U.S. will announce later this week that they will play Costa Rica three days after they play Mexico in October, which on one hand is great because now you can play some younger guys in a game that won't mean anything. But on the other hand, I mean, just it just shows how October has been wasted by not winning the Gold Cup when you could have had two friendlies to experiment with younger players. Yeah, obviously that that's the that's a big that's as as Klinsman would say that's a bummer. But uh, you know, it, it, <laughs> I, this is going to either be the like this is either going to be a celebration party or it's going to be like a wake. It's going to be one or the other because if if U.S. loses to Mexico, that game is going to be so anticlimactic. No one's going to care. Klinsman's going to pretty much have to go and call up, like, Benny Philhaber, uh, you know, Sebastian Leggett, Ethan Phil- Eric Lehigh, the- Eric, Eric Lehigh. Lehigh. He's going to have to call up. A- he's going to have to go on, like, message boards and figure out the best 11 of guys fans want to see and call them all up, and then maybe people will care. U.S. has to win that game against Mexico because it's going to – that Costa Rica game is going to be awful. However, U.S. wins at the Rose Bowl – that is going to be a hell of a party at Red Bull Arena, and I know Franco and I will both be there. So hopefully uh, hopefully they get the job done in the Rose Bowl. I think it's a terribly scheduled friendly. Uh, I know it's not up to U.S. soccer uh, in terms of what games fall on what dates uh, when it comes to the you know the, uh, the CONCACAF Cup. Um, but just like, like you said, they have, they have a big game <laughs> you know, on the Saturday, and then a few days later they're either celebrating that and, and talking, talking that up, or you know they're going into a friendly and preparing for World Cup qualifiers with a very uh, on a very bad note. Uh, you know they're not they're not going to be in the best of moods, and, and they're probably going to say, yeah, we have to shift focus now to World Cup qualifying. But you know you know deep down inside that that's not the, the focus is not going to be on that friendly against Costa Rica. Um, uh, and that's not again it's not not their fault. Uh, you know Concacaf picked the date for for the October friendly. Um, you know why they picked the first date instead of the second date. I mean that that's just Concacaf for you, but. Uh, you know, hope, hopefully for the U.S.'s sake, uh, they come out on top so that 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 friendly can be a little more interesting. Because if they lose, I mean, well, I don't see how that how that game holds so much intrigue. Uh, the one against Costa Rica. Well, before we move on and let Franco go and bring on Ryan Tomich to talk and preview uh, the weekend of Major League Soccer, some final thoughts, Franco. I'll let you go first. Final thoughts on the U.S. team. 
Uh, you know, final thoughts on the U.S. team. Let's see how this defense shake, shakes up. Uh, you know, the team as a whole in general, there's a lot to be decided. Uh, but for me, the defense is the, is the key. That's going to be, you know, make or break uh, in this camp. That's what you really need to watch. That's where you really need to see the progress made um, before the Mexico game because that, that, that will determine, for me, that will determine whether they win or lose. Uh, and just really quickly, you know, good to be back on, on the SBI show, and I'm glad I was able to stick around for a longer cameo. Hopefully the SBI uh, listeners... Uh, we'll tally the scorecard, and, and, and you know, you call <laughs> yeah. me the unanimous winner. Okay. Um, so, right. you know, uh, this is what me and I do. We, we argue all the time in the car, so, you know. This we're is like, pretty, we're we're the the you guys okay, argue friends. like you're a married couple. Now, here's my thing, right? Though Gary just gave you this opportunity here. He put it up. He put a softball, laid it up for you, let you do a little rant on the national team. Now, all I keep hearing from you is about how bad and terrible this national team is. So, why don't you let us know how you really feel about the state of this national team? I don't like the direction it's going in. If that, I mean, that, if that's where we want to go. That's what we want to talk about. Then I, for me, I don't like the direction we're seeing the team in. Uh, you know, for me, there's a lack of identity. There's really no idea what what they want to do here. Uh, defensively, it's a mess, as as we've talked about throughout this whole show. There's no sugarcoating that. The defense is this absolute uh, disaster right now, and now especially even worse now with the fullbacks out, with your two main fullbacks out. Uh, in midfield, Michael Bradley is, continues to play well, but the the pieces around him. Have not been have not been performing and not been uh, on a consistent level not been doing well. Then up top, Clinton Dempsey scoring goals, uh, but then Josie Altador struggling and and Clinton sticks by him. And again, it's just the whole direction of the team right now for me uh, is not is not looking good. And and I know he's experimented and he's done things, but uh, it, it just I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not very positive or optimistic about the direction the team's going in, uh, the way they're playing. I, I can't, I can't, I don't think you can say, you know, you're looking at this team and, and they're getting results or, or not getting results, but playing well. Uh, and that's, that's the most uh, concerning thing. If the team was playing well and, and not getting results, creating chances, and then, you know, they just got unlucky or, you know, goalkeeper had a great game or, you know, they just couldn't get the finishing boots on at the end of the day. I think that would be more promising. I think right now it's, it's very concerning where the team is headed. Uh, Jurgen Klinsmann, he, he says one thing, does another um, and the Gold Cup is a prime example with that. Uh, you know, he's saying, you know, it's do or die time. We have to win this so we can get the Confederation comes. Yet he throws in two very inexperienced uh, center backs at, at, as a tandem. Uh, they struggle. He keeps going with them, keeps going with them. And again, it, it, the whole thing for me, the whole nat- U.S. national team uh, right now is 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 not looking good. I'm not optimistic about this this <laughs> camp, and I'm not optimistic about October. Dang, Franco. The national team is doomed. The national team is doomed. It will never. It will never recover. It's doomed. It's doomed. We're all. We're all they should just wrap it up. They should just. Uh, they shouldn't play anymore. No, I, a lot of the things that the Franco said. I mean, I think a lot of people feel that way. That the direction of the team, uh, or at least the state of the team, is not a healthy one. As far as the direction of the team, we'll see uh, how what happens now in these few weeks. Because if they don't win that game against Mexico, and then you kind of tally up the scorecards for this year, it's a really awful, it's awful a bad year. year. There's no way Klinsman can, as much as Klinsman seems to smile his way through everything, if they lose that game in October, like, you can't, he can't sugarcoat that. He can't put a spin on it. He can't look at the bright side. He can't, he can't say, oh, this is good. No, like, if they lose that game, like, the Gold Cup, okay, you know, it was ugly. Uh, He made mistakes as much as he'll never own up to them. But if they lose that game, then, then it's like because remember, Klinsman's never lost as a coach or player to, against Mexico. That's been kind of his magic trump card. Now, if he does, if he loses that, then all of a sudden it's like, oh wait a minute, you're not a magic man. You're you're like you're a bit of a fraud here. So 
maybe that's why he's so confident. It's, he seems confident going into that game because he's never lost to them. He probably feels like you know he's got a horseshoe uh, hidden away there. So we'll, we'll see, man. It, I'm not I'm not quite as negative on it, but I get where where uh, Frank was coming from, and I think most fans feel the same way, especially after that Gold Cup because. We all said it in the group stages. We all said it in the knockout rounds. Klinsman, what are you doing with this lineup? And he kept doing it. And then the end happened that we all kind of saw happening. So if he does it again, if he brings the same guys out again, then it's like you were, you're, you're, you're not learning your lessons. So that's why I'm holding out to see now in these games what he does. Because if he still does the same stuff, then – I'll be I'll be kind of leaning more towards Franco's kind of like all hope is lost kind of perspective, but I'm gonna give him these couple games and see if maybe he has seen the light, maybe he has realized you know what I have other guys who are probably better options. I just wait till it's painfully obvious to then admit the facts, but it's okay. It's all right. Painfully obvious. Okay, first off, first, first off, I'll say the the team is not doomed. It's not horrible. I mean, look, you still are gonna put out a very quality team against Peru. And a decent team against, uh, sorry, you know, look, if it's going to be quality against Peru, it's going to be quality against Brazil. You're not going to have Clint Dempsey. You're not going to have Michael Bradley with them in the roster. Look, I'm, the team is not is in a dire state as you can make it out to be. It's not that bad. I disagree completely. And Peru's not in at their strength. They're missing a couple of their best players as well. And, and so if the U.S. gets a result against them, it's not completely surprising. Uh, again, the, the direction of the U.S. team is what concerns me. They're, not playing well. I, I don't know how you can look at the Gold Cup and say they're playing well. Uh, even in those friendlies where they won uh, against, uh, and this is something very, I think it's very overlooked and very important uh, against Germany and the Netherlands. Yes, they won. They showed, you know, the American spirit, which is which is fine. That's what the U.S. national teams have always had. But they won those games after flurry subs were made on both sides. And when the U.S. lost games last fall after the World Cup because of substitutions, Jurgen Klinsmann was quick to point out how the substitutions affected the game. You know, you don't get the same type of tempo. But yet after after those wins, he didn't point that out. He didn't say, look, you know, the, the, the number of substitutions affected Germany or affected the Netherlands, and, and that kind of played into the fact that we were able to come back and, and, and get a draw and a win. He just kind of said, oh, yeah, we showed great spirit, or, you know, rah, rah, rah. Look, the, the U.S. team, for me, is not playing well. They're not they, – I don't – I don't saying really, they are playing I, well? Who's saying they play well? You're saying saying that I didn't say they played well. Pro. I said it's not as a dire state as you may – as you're making out to believe. Antigua and Barbuda tomorrow or Barbados, but – like, for where they're at, what they need to accomplish this year, I, I'm, I'm not convinced that they're going to get the job done. I don't think – I think where Mexico's playing, Mexico's on a high. They're coming off the Gold Cup win. The US they're on a high. They just fired their coach. Hey, they still won the Gold Cup. The players – They know, played they, terribly through the whole Gold Cup. But they won. But they won. The U.S. played terribly. Did not win. Didn't even, win, didn't even get their That's place. Fine. No, hey, no one's saying the U.S. Place. had a better Gold Cup than Mexico. But don't act no stand up like Mexico's Gold Cup was amazing. Mexico had a horrible Mexico's Gold Cup was not amazing by any stretch. For me, the U.S. – it's a dire situation. If you're at the Gold Cup, you don't, you don't even get to the final. You get to the third-place game, and you lose the third-place game. You don't win the third-place game. That's cares dire about the third-place game? How much worse can it get? You're really going to wait till they get knocked out of the, the group stage? Like, uh, where the best third-place teams get out? That's where you're going to say it's dire? No. For, ne- for me, now, the U.S. national team's in a dire situation. I, I don't really get where they're going with you know the, the attacking pieces, of the, the midfield. It's like Michael Bradley or Clint Dempsey have to lead the way. If, if they don't have incredible games together as a tandem, then they... U.S. is doomed. They, they don't win games. Like the games that they win are when Dempsey goes off. Bradley has outstanding games in the midfield. 
other than that, the, the complimentary pieces just don't do it, and that that's concerning because you can't keep relying on them to lead you game in and game yeah, out. How is that, but yeah, but how is that? But how is it? They're on the team, fault? right? Aren't they on the team? Right, but they're not going to do it every single game. Yeah, but yeah, but Franco, that's not your Klinsman's fault. Like, like, take someone like Mix Discrude, for example. Dude, he should be stepping up this year. He's playing completely garbage. These columns are questionable. We've I've written articles about you know Michael uh, Benny Fellhaber, who's killing it in MLS, who has done everything Jurgen Klinsman has said. You go to you go to your club team. You you shine on your club team. You you become one of the leaders on your club team. You score goals. You set up assists. You become an impact player. He's done all that, and he doesn't get called in. And, and there's so only, they would have won the Gold Cup if Benny Phil. No, but it's just an example. Okay. It's just an example of part of the mess that the U.S. national team is right now. Klinsman says one thing and, and doesn't know there. There's players that are doing very well that don't get called in, and that's part of the problem. It's not the whole problem. It's part of the problem. Again, U.S. national team. I mean, if you if you could lay out to me exactly what the identity, especially in the attack, is, then I, I would love to hear it because I just don't see it. I, I, see, I see Michael Bradley and Clint Dempsey being asked to put the team on the shoulders and just – Hey, just go out there and, and, and carry the team and, and score goals and do assists and get everybody together. Because when you see complementary pieces having big games and making impacts and, and really even steps on him, Giassi's already scores goals here and there. But what, te- what U.S. teams before were not like that? They ca- had star players to carry the team. When was it a collective, strong oh, collective dude, of players? Bob, Bob Bradley's team was, look, Lana Donovan and, and Clint Dempsey did, did a lot of the lifting, but Michael Bradley also chipped in with some goals. He had some very key performances in the midfield. And again, now we're going back in years, years, years. But again, that's the whole point. This team just doesn't, as a whole, as a collective unit, the thing, the U.S. used to always be, a, you know, better better than its parts. I don't feel like this team is better than, the, you know, some of its parts. I, th- I think there's just not, they don't have it. They don't have it. It's, it Defense is a mess, like we said. Center back, like we don't even know what's going on there. Up top, Josie Altador is in a funk. Uh, and you just don't know what's going on. You, it's a work team. in progress. No one, no, yeah. I don't know anyone who says they're playing well. I don't know anyone who says they're playing well. Now, we'll see what that team looks like in October, and if he's learned his lessons, because it comes down to Klinsman, and if he's if he's open enough to accept that he's made mistakes and honest with himself enough to say, you know what, maybe I need to go another direction. Maybe it's it's not time for Brooks and Alvarado. Maybe it's time to look at some of these other guys that I've ignored. That's what. That's why, for me, I want to see him show some growth as a coach. And that Gold Cup had to be a, a wake-up call for him. They had to slap him in the face. And he said it today. He still feels it. He still feels like uh, the pain of that Gold Cup. You know, the anger. He's ang- he looks back, and he should be. He made the he made the mess. And now hopefully he learns from it. And that's why – this is what I want to see. It's not like, oh, they beat Peru. They're legit. They beat – you know, they managed to beat Brazil. It means they're on the right track. But I want to see decisions he makes show me that he's growing as a coach and that he's accepting and acknowledging that he made mistakes. Because I think all of us agree he made mistakes in the Gold Cup. He made mistakes with the roster. He made mistakes with the lineup selections. Now we'll see in these games. We'll see in these games and especially in the Mexico game. Who he goes with? If he if he makes the same mistakes again and they lose, I'm with you. The guy is just he's he keeps making the same mistakes over and over. I want to see him show some growth as a coach. All right, with that, we will now move on to MLS and bring on Ryan Tomich. Before that, Franco, thank you for jumping on the show with us today. No, oh, thanks, Garrett. I had a great time being back on. It was much longer this time, but uh, hopefully we can do it again. Of course, Franco. Pleasure having you on. All right, Ivis, now it's time to bring on SBI Managing Editor Ryan Tolmich and talk a little bit about Major League Soccer. Before we talk about the games, um, if you didn't see this, you should check this out. It actually made Deadspin. That's when you know it's big news, when it makes Deadspin. 
is a uh, New York City football club supporter got tasered, and then the whole like supporters group went like haywire afterwards. I mean, Ryan, Ryan you know more about this situation. W- what is going on with this video of this guy getting tasered? Uh, basically, a petition popped up on Change.org coming from the Third Rail, which is New York City FC supporter group. And it started off as a general complaint about security, which are things that happen. Obviously, security and soccer fans are not always going to get along. It's a support with a lot of passion, a lot of a lot of fight, a lot of yelling. It's definitely going to cause conflicts in that sort of sense in terms of going into a Yankee stadium that's very traditional, very proper. And they're adjusting to have all these new soccer fans that have a different mindset, a more European mindset. But where this petition kind of went haywire is that a lot of The stuff started with the incident involving security and slowly devolved into a more general complaint against the team, complaining about how the players have performed, about the commitment of the ownership, about how the Red Bulls are outplaying them on the field. And it just kind of came off as sort of a, 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 not a petty way to attack the club, but a convenient way to attack the club. They came at the team for an incident that was very real and turned it into a complaint about how the team's on the field, which just doesn't come off as right to me. It's just something that should be left. Obviously, incidents with security are a major issue, and using it to take pot shots at the team and their performance and their expansion season, it just came off as very awkward and has since been amended with a new uh, petition. But it was just a little incident that that caused a little bit of trouble. Obviously, New York City has an always performed up to the fans' expectations, but there's a difference between the on-the-field product and the off-the-field incidents. And it's just something that gained steam this week, whether it's right or not. Basically, it sounds like it, it sounds like a complaint by the third rail uh, went off the rails, and they, uh, no. you know, they, 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 had to, they had to change they had to change it around. At least, somewhat, at least people there, it, it, it seems like anyway, that someone got a little overboard. At least they cleaned it up, so that's that's good to see. And, and and there's definitely some validity to that. You shouldn't have people getting tasered. I mean, you know, we don't know all the details, but I mean, there's really no excuse for that. Yeah, uh, I know. Unless the, video unless the guy show, was being a threat. The video didn't being show threat, the buildup. I was kind of disappointed, but I wanted to see what happened. Yeah, I mean, if, they, if he was being a threat to other people or a threat to security, that's one thing. But if they if they just got fed up with him not listening to their orders, like that's not that's no excuse to tase somebody. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 it's, a little, it's been it's, a not, t- it's been a tough year for them. It's been tough here, but you know what's interesting? As bad as bad a year as it's been, as disappointing a year as it's been on the field. I mean, they've been doing a good job. The team has drawing fans. Yeah, they, they, the crowds there have been great. I've been there. I've been to uh, Yankee Stadium the last couple of games, and they're drawing fans even even with the losses. And obviously, part of that is the star power of having Lampard, having Pirlo, having Villa. But um, you know, it, if you start seeing these things where uh, the fan culture gets a little squeezed in by. Yankee Stadium security, again, we all have to remember, NYCFC is kind of the guest tenant there. They're, it's not their, it's truly not their home. So they're dealing with security that, you know, in some cases may not get what it's about, may not get what the soccer fan culture is about. And you're going to have instances like this. So hopefully the team, the club uh, can step in and make sure this stuff doesn't happen. But at the same time, if you're a supporters group, you've got to be a bit more professional. You've got to try to have a professional relationship with your club and bashing the team uh, is, in this kind of instance, there was no, there was no call for it. I mean, uh, is it, are, it, were we supposed to basically believe that? Well, you know, if the team were winning, you could probably tase us as much as you want, but you're not winning, so don't ta- like don't tase me, bro, unless you win. Like, the, the, I, I didn't buy that. I didn't get that. It's, 
I, their, their fans are they're, you know they're passionate. I it's, it's look, for an expansion team. Yeah, man, they're getting mixed. They're in the, the, they're mixing it up. Yeah, they, they, they are. Sandwich, their sandwich boards getting hit yourself. with sandwich boards. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Pace yourself. It's like you know they've seen too many of these like hooligan YouTube videos. Like it's year one, slow down a little bit. It's a very small element of people, and then again, the hooligan thing. I don't know if that was related to the. I, I don't think that's too. I don't think it's the same thing, but. Um, you're always going to have some bad apples, yeah. and uh, I, I, you know, having been to enough NYCFC games, I can tell you that there's plenty of good NYCFC fans, plenty of well-behaved NYCFC fans. Unfortunately, there are a lot of unhappy NYCFC fans, so any kind of stuff like this is going to tend to blow up now because of that. Well, Ivis, we do have some games being played this weekend. As I said, one of the bigger ones, Seattle taking on Toronto. Uh, if you're a Toronto fan earlier this week, you're, you're gaspy when you heard that uh, Sebastian Giovinco was injured, but he's not. It's nothing serious. My play this weekend. If you're Seattle, no Clint Dempsey this weekend, Ivis. If he plays against Brazil, you're probably going to lose your mind. And it's going to be it's going to be an intriguing game this weekend. Is he definitely out? Is Clint Dempsey definitely out? I don't know, but I de- no, he's definitely not in yet. No one really knows. By the no, time we're well, recording this show, so if you listen to the show tomorrow, you may know. But as of right well, now, we don't know. I'd say this: if he does not play uh, against Toronto, I don't see him playing against Brazil. I mean, that's that's common sense. I mean, he hasn't played in, in what a month, Ryan. I mean, uh, it's been a while. It's been a while since he's played, uh, and you don't want to risk injuring the guy. I mean, the game you need him for is in October, so uh, take it easy on that front. I, I think if it, so, what, one thing I was uh, talking earlier with some guys speculating is that maybe he has to go and make an appearance. Uh, be with the team as part of some contractual thing because as we know when it comes to these international friendlies sometimes you have appearance clauses where you know you have to bring your a team what constitutes the a team you have to have certain players there which is why probably michael bradley will be joining up with brazil uh on two he'll be there on tuesday and maybe that's why clint dempsey maybe has to go and just be on the bench because you know otherwise there's a contract contract uh, that's broken so uh, hopefully they don't do anything silly. I don't think Klinsman would risk that. I don't think he, he's not going to play games because he, we all know, and he especially knows, that he needs Clint Dempsey on the field in October if they're going to beat Mexico. Okay, guys. We actually didn't even talk about the game. So the game is being played this weekend, Seattle, Toronto. And, Ryan, um, a couple weeks ago, you know, Seattle had brought in a couple offseason acquisitions. Things were looking good. It, it doesn't seem like it's working out for them. I mean, they're not playing the best soccer. Last week's win wasn't the greatest result from them. I mean, you predicted this, that you didn't think the Seattle's transfers that they had were going to work out. I mean, what, what is going on with that? Yeah, I definitely did go on record and say that I was going to write Seattle off. And so far, they haven't exactly proved me wrong. They brought in some talent and guys. The return of Obafemi Martins has been huge. But to this point, they still haven't really shown the makings of an MLS Cup winner. Now, having Obafemi Martins back, having a guy like Clint Dempsey back when he ever comes back will be a major change for them. But to this point, it just hasn't quite clicked. Now, that's not saying it won't click, but the question is, does it click in time for them to make the playoffs? Right now, they're in a playoff fight. San Jose's right on them. Now, these games are starting to become more and more crucial, and like we said, we don't want to rush Clint Dempsey back. You don't want him thrown in there too early. They're really in a pickle now in terms of how they produce these games because it's it's really starting to get to that point where they have to start winning because they are in a playoff battle. Now, Going into this game against Toronto, they're facing a Toronto team without Josie Altidore, perhaps without Sebastian Jovinko due to injury. This is a game they can win, but they are going to have to be more consistent going forward if they are going to join that list of contenders. And Ivis, for Toronto, I mean, can they overcome the absence of a red-hot Josie Altidore? Well, it's not just him that they could be missing. Uh, 
Sebastian Yervinko uh, suffered an injury, and uh, although they're saying it's not that serious, uh, you wonder if how that's going to affect them. Is he going to be available? Because missing Altidore is one thing, but if you're missing Sebastian Yervinko, that's huge. That's a huge loss. I'll tell you one person I think this is a big game for is Hercules Gomez. I mean, we all know Hercules Gomez. His track record against the Sounders, uh, back when we're talking CONCACAF Champions League, he's done pretty well against the Sounders. So, uh, actually, a former Seattle Sounder himself, for those with good memories, Way back when he, uh, he he apparently played uh, for Seattle pre MLS days he uh, he played for Seattle I think this is a good opportunity for him to show what he can do uh, he had he didn't had he didn't play recently uh, he's been making more noise off the field on Twitter than he's been making on the field lately uh, I don't, I don't, for those people who missed it he made a he made a he tweeted during the Red Bulls game recently DC United and he brought up Mike Petke. Uh, asking Red Bulls fans if they if they miss, still miss Mike Pecky or whatever. Mike Pecky got he saw this, he got wind of this, and he went on Twitter and was pretty much like, "Why is an active player on another MLS team saying stuff like this?" So, Circles Gomez, you know, never boring on social media, but what Toronto FC needs is for him to be not boring on the field, and I think this could be a great opportunity for him. And it was uh, it was pretty interesting. Um, this weekend, FC Dallas is on the road. They did snap their losing streak last weekend against Real Salt Lake. But when you look at it, you say, hmm, Columbus is red hot. Good opportunity. I mean, it looks like it might be tough for FC Dallas, but it's not. Columbus is missing eight players. Ivis all called up to national duty. They have five starters missing out. Um, I mean, for Dallas, you talk about just a you, lucky schedule, man. You are thanking whoever made the schedule that you're facing a Columbus team that is missing five starters this weekend. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Columbus has some pretty good depth, so I, I wouldn't go writing Columbus off just yet. I think Iguain's still there. Uh, we all know Ethan Finley's still there because he can't get a call-up from Jurgen Klinsmann. So, you know, they're, they're obviously Kai Kamaro. They're going to miss him. I think he's got the call-up. So He's not there. That, Will Trapp is not there. Justin Miram is not there. Will, is Will, so Will Trapp's not going to try to get back in time for this game? So I, 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 know I, know believe, I believe, I mean, when we record the show, he's out. So unless unless, unless right. something changes. Well, that, yeah, well, they'll miss him. So I think, yeah, that'll, that'll be a tough one for them. Uh, I think I agree with you. I think FC Dallas, they did get that win recently, and, and you know, they should have a little momentum. But the game's in Columbus, uh, and I think they still have enough pieces. I think uh, I've said it before. I'm not completely convinced about FC Dallas. This is going to be a game to show us how serious mm-hmm. they are about being a contender because if you go up against a Columbus team that's missing so many key pieces, you should be able to get a result. Ideally, you get a win. Now, if they can't win this game, then that's telling me, you know what, they're not ready for prime time. They're not, definitely not a title contender, and they might even fall into into that scary territory of the playoff race in the West. Because the, the, the playoff race in the West has suddenly uh, been blown wide open thanks to the San Jose Earthquakes jumping in there now with their hot streak. So this is a big game. It's a big game for Dallas. I, it, I, would, I wouldn't say it's not a big game for Columbus, but I think it's important for them because they'll get to see some other guys – uh, show what they can do. And it's so important to have that kind of depth in a stretch run. And in the Eastern Conference, you have two teams going in complete opposite directions. Orlando City on the road taking on the New England Revolution. Orlando City could have Breck Shea back for this game. But nonetheless, Ivis, they're at six in the Eastern Conference. They're just one point ahead of the Montreal Impact and New York City FC. Orlando City, and all three of these teams keep tripping them over themselves. But, I mean, if Orlando City can pick up three points here, that would be massive when you look at where they are in the standings? Uh, this is absolutely a huge game for Orlando City because we all know Montreal, four games in hand. They just fired their coach. You figure they might get a bump from that. They might they might uh, respond positively to the coaching change. Orlando has no choice. They have to get this result. 
It's not going to be easy. New, New England's been playing well. Their, their defense especially has been playing a lot better lately. It's not going to be easy. But uh, if you're Orlando, you go on the road. If, if you can get a draw, mm-hmm. I think you're happy. I think if you're, if you're you know, Adrian Heath and you can get a point on the road in New England, which isn't an easy place to play, I think you have a chance. Uh, I don't think they'll have Kaká. I think that's going to be a tough blow for them. Uh, he's with Brazil now, so that that's going to make it that much tougher. So for me, I just can't see Orlando going to New England and and winning a game or even drawing a game without Kaká. Even though Kaká hasn't played that well, he, he's he's kind of been uh, a lot. His form is dipped. I mean, he it's much le- lower than it was at the start of the season. I'm going to go New England. I think their defense is too strong right now, and I think their attack is really starting to click. Well, two teams are that are going to be hoping that New England wins that game is Montreal and Chicago. They square off this weekend. And think about this. If Orlando loses and Chicago beats Montreal, I guess Chicago could be in the playoffs if the playoffs ended after these games. I mean, this is an also, I mean, both teams have losing records, but still, this, this is a huge game too. You know, for me, obviously, the East is not quite as jam-packed as the West, but like you said, Chicago's right in it. But at this point, it is... To me, Montreal's spot to lose. They have these games in hand. They have the talent. They have the boost of Drogba. But this is a game that they need to win. Obviously, Chicago is one of the bottom feeders of the division right now, even prior to this game. If they win this game, things change. But in terms of Montreal, this is a game that you need to go to and win. This is a game that makes a playoff contender. This is a game where you have to grab three points. There's a few things here. Number one, we're still waiting for the Drogba boost. He played one game. He hurt his toe. He's been, been out since. Now they've fired Frank Lopez. When's he going to get ready to play? When is Drogba going to make his impact? That's what they're uh, – no Hey-o. pun intended. Hey, when are they going to – yeah, there you go. You've done that twice this show. That's two uh, times too many, I was. I was uh, you didn't even tell me the first time. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, so drop, I can't keep track. you got to let me know. There was the New York City has to mix things up. Too. Uh, no, see, no, people no, 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 New York City well. fell off the rail. Yeah, that, yeah. No, oh, yeah, that's, that's three. I don't think I said mix. But anyway. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, look, Montreal needs Drogba to, to step up. And then what's going on with Lawrence Simon? Now he got the red card, right? He's going to be out. Now he's on international duty. He's going to be out even longer. And now there's reports that he might, that he's going to leave Montreal. Now, I don't know when exactly he's going to leave Montreal, but they, if they had, even with these games in hand, they don't have much of a shot without Lawrence Simon. Lawrence Simon is their best defender by a mile. And I mean, he's almost too good for them, right? Like you, you're looking, you watch him play and you're like, why is this guy not? playing in, the, in a top league in Europe. And obviously there's the whole story about him and his family and his, his child and, and wanting to move to Montreal and all that. So if he's leaving anytime soon, Montreal's in trouble. They're in trouble because they can't – they're not going to get very far without him. So if hopefully that – hopefully for their sake, that's not something that's going to affect them this year. Um, but we'll see how they play these games without him. He's going to miss three games now between the call-up and the suspension. Uh, and so they, they need points here, and that's why they need Drogba to step up. Well, in the final game of the weekend, San Jose taking on Philadelphia Union. And this kind of begins San Jose's, I don't want to say easy schedule, but they have a very favorable schedule going forward. You have Philadelphia, Montreal, New York, Real Salt Lake. It's looking pretty good for, for San Jose, Ivis. On a four-game winning streak, I mean, this looks like a lock for them against Philadelphia this weekend. You know, it's MLS. And in MLS, anytime you get a game like this where, where it's just like a gimme, right, like a red-hot team against a bad team, at home, it's a slam dunk, right? Absolutely. And those are the games that never work out that way. Those are the games where somehow the the, other, the underdog just win, you know, beats the favorite. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen this time. I think San Jose, the way they're playing right now, they're playing with a lot of confidence. I don't think Dom Kinnear is going to let them have a letdown. I think he's going to keep the pedal uh, pedal to the metal. And I think Philly, while I think Philly has shown some signs of life, 
I think they've always struggled when they've gone on the road. They've always struggled when they've gone to the West Coast. Their track record's pretty atrocious when they go to the to the West Coast. So I think that's going to hurt them. I think just the travel and the grind of that. I think San Jose walks away with this one and makes things even more interesting in the West. Well, Ivis, before I let you go, we do have an SBI Q&A. Remember, everyone, on Twitter, you can ask us questions using hashtag AskTheSBI Show. First question comes from Mark Flores. How are Terrence Boyd's and Joe Jow's recover, injuries recovering coming along? I haven't heard a peep about them. I don't think Boyd, from as far as I know, Boyd is not yet close to returning. I think he's still recovering, uh, rehabbing his knee. And, and as far as... The last we've heard on Zhao is that he's still not back in action yet, but he's getting close. So uh, it's still a wait-and-see uh, approach, unfortunately, for those two, two promising attackers. But uh, hopefully the, the, they'll be back soon uh, at some point in the fall. Next question comes from um, Kilimanjay Haro. He says, it's hard seeing this Pats work U.S. men's defense at the moment, giving up less than four to Brazil. Too pessimistic or realistic? <laughs> Uh, it's, it's it depends, right? If they, number one, if Neymar plays, if he plays, yeah, that's that's uh, always a possibility that he can torch you, even though he's been out of action for a bit. Um, but you know what? Uh, here's the thing: like this this group, there's a lot of veterans in this U.S. group. You got Jermaine Jones in there. You got Gonzalez and Beesler back. I tell you what: if, if Neymar starts dancing around, Jermaine Jones will knock him knock him down like he did back. Uh, what year was that? 2012 when he wiped him out with one of the one of the dirt. Dirtiest tackles you'll ever see. Uh, nah, you know what? I, I, Brazil's going to win, right? I think that's that's a fair assessment, unless Tim, unless Guzan or Howard stands on their head. Uh, I'm going to go like a 2-0 Brazil. Uh, I think Brazil wins comfortably, but 4-0, uh, it depends who you start in the back, right? I mean, I think if you get, you know, if you get Alvarado back there, uh, <laughs> oh. you know, that anything's possible. But I think if you get some... Some veterans back there. I think they'll be able to stop the bleeding a bit. Uh, Scott Utterson asks, what type of madman takes the same failing squad expecting different results in these friendlies in CONCACAF Cup? Okay, first of all, it's not the same exact team. Actually, there's a lot of new faces in this group. Well, and second of all, Jurgen Klinsmann's not a madman. I mean, come on. He's very happy. He's very happy. <laughs> too happy. He's almost too happy, actually, according to some people, just because it's like you should be a little more upset that you, you know, Crashed out of the Gold Cup in fourth place. He's on the beach uh, no, in but, California, dude. He's chilling on the beach, exactly. boy. Uh, no, but it, it, okay. Let's look. Let's think of all the names, right? So you got Tim Howard's back, even though he's probably not going to play. Uh, you have Jermaine Jones, Matt Beasler, Jeff Cameron. Uh, I said Jermaine Jones, right? Uh, you, ha- you have um, Josie Atzorov's back. Uh, hopefully, in better form than he was at the Gold Cup. So it should be a different looking team. I think. I think they'll look better than they did at the Gold Cup. Uh, the Brazil game's a little trickier because I think defensively you can get away with some things against Peru that you're not going to get away with against Brazil. Um, so, uh, you know, let's here's what I would say. Let's see who he starts against Mexico. If he trots out John Brooks and Ventura Alvarado again, then there's going to be some question marks. Then you're going to be like, really, these two again after what they did at the Gold Cup? I just think there's so many other options in, at uh, center back. Uh, Gonzalez Beisler, you have Cameron, even Michael Orozco. Um, I just don't think anyone wants to see Alvarado at this point. I, I mean, for me, I, I've, I like him as a prospect. I just think he is not ready yet for this level as starting center back. I just don't think he's ready. Uh, Brooks, I think, is a bit more promising. I think if you put Brooks next to the right person, I think he can thrive. I think if you you know if you put him next to a Cameron or or next to a you know 
Omar Gonzalez or even extra Beasler, I think he could do okay. But if you put Brooks next to Alvarado, you're just asking for trouble. And personally, I don't think Klinsman's going to do it again. I just think I, I like to think he learned his lesson from that. Next question comes from Jimmy Coppa. He asks, which we've already talked about, that why is Guzan starting with Howard and Camp? We've already talked about that. But his important question, Ivis, is why doesn't Jurgen Klinsman call up guys like Ethan Finley? All right. I think we've talked about it. I've addressed it. I've written about it on Goal.com. USA-Mexico is in a month. That's the important game here. Most important game since the World Cup. The ticket to the Confederations Cup is on the line. That makes these friendlies about trying to figure out your best lineup for that game and also to bring in some veterans who've had that experience in those big games. Ethan Finley's having a great season, but he's not going to come in and step in and contribute in that game. Under no scenario do you see him just walking in and being able to do that. He needs some experience within the team. He needs a full camp. I think January is the right opportunity to bring someone like Ethan Finley and someone like Sebastian Leggett in. Leggett in. Uh, so, so I think we will see those guys. But I just think right now with what's on the line, you can't do it. You can't risk it. Um, you, you know, you have to bring these other guys in. I know some people say, oh, what about Andrew Wooten? Why is he there? Uh, I think with Wooten, it's a case of forwards. Uh, you know, you're not convinced with some of these forwards. And, and Wooten is a guy who's, who's shown some promise. He's off to a great start in Germany in the second division. And I know it's the Bundesliga too. It's not the Bundesliga. How good a level is that? We're going to find out. We're going to find out in these friendlies. If Hooten gets on the field, what can he what he can give you? But like I said before, I think guys like Finley and LeJet, I think we're going to see them in January. Next question is in totally changing topics. Now focused on, on Major League Soccer. They Tuper90 asks, what are Jim Curtin's prospects for coaching the union next season? I think the next month says it all. I think September. Uh, we're going to see the union either fall out of the playoff race or climb into the playoff race. And we're also going to see whether or not they can lift the trophy. If they win the U.S. Open Cup and they're hosting it, they're at home. I know they were at home last time around. But I think that Seattle team was more imposing than the current KC team, who is a good team, but they're slumping right now. They're slumping a bit. I think they're a little vulnerable. They're going to be playing a ton of games this month. They could be pretty tired. Uh, So from that standpoint, I think the Union have a chance to win that trophy. I think I really do. I, I really see it happening. I mean, obviously, they're still the underdogs, but I can see them winning that. If they win the Open Cup, I think you got to give Curtin another year. I really do. Um, and if they don't win, I think he needs to get in the playoffs. I think it's either one or the other. Uh, I personally, I like Curtin. I think he's a good coach. I think he's you know a good young coach who's worth investing some time in. Um, but he's got to win. He's got to either get in the playoffs or he's got to win Open Cup. Last question comes from Chris Davis. Davis, excuse me. He asks, if you had to start an MLS team today, which player do you select in the first round? Nah, that's a good question. This is I like a very this. good I like, question. I like this question. Now, you tell me. Now, you, you know, you know, you're not answering any of these, which is fine. Let me answer them. But I want to hear. I, mean, what I, you I think say. these questions are more for you, Ivis. I think if there's one for me, my that's fine. But I want. I'll answer this. I want, I'll, okay, I'll answer this. If I had to win next year. Oh, it's just two parts, two parts, two parts. If I had to win next year, I would choose Robbie Keane. But if I had to get a franchise player, see, I, I've, I'm going back and forth between like a couple of different guys. I'm still trying to figure that out. Oh my god, how many different? Could you, could you hedge any more? You're gonna name five players? Like, give me one or two guys. You already get. You already took one, Robbie. I Keane. would say Will Trap. Okay, I like that. I like Will Trap. And then I'll go with Harry Ship. 
No, I, look, that'll, I like that'll be my risky. That'll be my risky pick. Okay, you're missing. You're totally missing the boat on this. Okay, here, here's the thing. If we're talking about winning right away, yeah, yeah. I mean, fine. If it's a one-year deal, you're talking about win for one yeah, year. You're, you're building a team year. for one year. Well, who builds a team for one year? You build a team saying, for. I'm just saying. If you ever do, I'm just saying. That's why I gave two parts, though. Yeah, but why get? Okay, fine. But here's the thing. The reality is, nobody builds a team for one year. You build a team to first to sustain well, itself. This is in, like in, if you're doing like a you know a draft and start over type thing. Whatever. Just you're and even then, serious. you're not you're not helping yourself. You're taking it too okay, seriously. I'm t- well, that's the question. All right, here we go. I, I don't disagree. If you if you one year, boom, Robbie Keane, he's he's playing. He he knows the league. He plays well. He makes his teammates better. But if you're asking me who I'm building a team around, a franchise, who I'm gonna have, yeah, who I'm gonna have on my roster for uh, years, I got the one guy stands out for me. And look, Will Trapp's a great player, a great young player. I, I, he's one for me. He, he's one of like the players that I, I impresses me the most as far as young talent player. That's all well and good. But for me. I know some people will say, oh, Giovinco, got to be Giovinco. I would say, you know, he's interesting. But for me, Giovanni Dos Santos. And the reason mm. is not only is he young, I mean, relatively young MLS-wise, he's 26. He's skill, super skilled playmaker. He is going to be – he is going to dominate in this league. I know he's still settling in. He's already done great. He's going to do great for years. And think about – again, if you're running a club, you're running – It's a, there's a bits of business. He's a guy you can market. He's a guy who will sell tickets. He's a guy who you can put on TV. Who you can help you get a TV contract. There's, it's not a it's not a coincidence that the Galaxy went and got this guy because he it's a go, he's a gold mine, and and on the field he's great as well. Like Javinko, I, I really rate Javinko. Uh, he's amazing. He's one of the best players in the league. But at the same time, he doesn't speak English, so he's not marked from a mark. No, but listen, from a marketing standpoint, that matters. Gio DeSantos speaks English and Spanish. You can market no, him in English. I, I agree. You can market him in Spanish. So from that standpoint, and again, it matters also where you are, right? If It's it's different operating a business in L.A. and operating a business in Columbus. It's not the same thing. Well, Trap is an amazing player, and he's a great guy to build a franchise around. Uh, and, you know, if you want to talk about young Americans, there's few better than he is. I'll tell you that, for my opinion. But Gio DeSantos, for me... He's a gold mine, and and you know, and, and seeing the way he is in LA, seeing how happy he is, how how he's fit right in and embraced the league. I gotta say, I didn't see that because you haven't seen that through the years that quickly. Guys who come in and just they feel at home. He, you see it with him, man. You see it in his social media. You see him on the field. You see him smiling on Twitter. Like he is genuinely happy. And here's a guy who's, and you you can understand why he's had a rough career. He's had some years just sitting on the bench yes. at, at Tottenham, at Barcelona. He, he He's had a rough go in his career where there were a lot of years where his talent's gone wasted. Now he's in a place where he's appreciated, where his skill can be put on display, and where I think he is really that guy who's going to help the Galaxy transition now beyond the – remember everyone talked about, oh, when Landon Donovan retires, what's going to happen? Well, they picked the perfect guy to fit into L.A., and to help capture the imagination of the LA fans, and more importantly, to help preemptively uh, plant a flag in LA before that other LA team comes, because that other LA team, I think, is going to be your problem. They're going to have deep pockets. They're going to go after superstar signings. They'll probably go get Chicharito. They'll probably go try to get Cristiano Ronaldo in three years. Oh my That's gosh, all. It's, that will never happen. Let's bet right now. I will bet you. Any is any any amount of money you want. It will never happen. Play. First off, I thought you were gonna pick like a super young player. That's why I picked Will Trapp. He's, he, well, you know, I, I I'm not saying that's a bad pick. I'm not. I like him, but I'm looking at it big, 
picture. I'm looking at it. Yeah, like, I, see, marketing. I didn't think of it. I thought like total, well, total. All that, but all of it matters. You're talking about starting a club. Then you want to, you got to think about all that. You got to think about selling tickets, marketing, TV, all that. I and just, all this that, is that. why you should be a GM, dude. I, you know, hey, I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say no. Who'd hire you? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody would hire me, but I would not say no. Like it's, well, maybe certain. You know what? I'm not. There, there's certain teams I probably would say no to, but uh, I, that'd be a dream. That'd be a dream. But why I'm not. Why I'm don't not, you I'm like, like run like a PDL team? You know, you could be a GM. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. It had to be. Yeah, we'll, it, I'm no, serious, man. You could do PDL, it. Yeah, look. Don't just look. Don't disrespect PDL GMs. Like they're not. Like you know, it's a, that's a that's not it's, an easy job. Either. It's no, it's not an easy job. I'm just saying. You know, all the Jersey New York players. Maybe I'm one just, day, my I'm friend. Just, I'm just saying, day. Ivis. I'm just saying. Maybe, maybe one day, some will, maybe some crazy rich Jersey guy who loves soccer, wants to build a team, hires me to be the GM, and then who knows? Maybe maybe I'll make some magic happen. That's and then and then and then maybe then I'll actually like be more actively uh, fighting for pro rel since apparently I don't do that enough. But uh, but yeah, no. <laughs> I, look, back to the question at hand. Giotto Santos for me, he ticks all the boxes. Yeah. That's a very good pick. Are you asking Americans? Americans? Will Trapp's great. You know who's also great? Matt Miaska. Although Miaska, I'll tell you what. Newsflash. I don't think he's going to be around in MLS in two years. I think he's gone. I think he's going to Europe. I think he'll be in Europe. I think he could be in Europe next year. And I know people say, oh, that's too soon. Listen, folks. <laughs> Soccer's a big business. And the wheels are turning. And if you ask me what I'm putting my money on, I'm putting my money on Matt Miaska being in Europe. Sooner rather than later. Where's he going to be? Uh, which bench will he be sitting on, Ivis? Oh, see, that's just reckless. That's come on, man. <laughs> he, he's he's come along very quickly. I know. Yes, he he's a very good player. I'm sorry. Yes. Come on, you know everyone. When a young U.S. player goes over to Europe, the initial knee-jerk reaction is, "Well, he's not going to get playing time." Like look, Yedlin, we talked about it. I mean, he's not going to get playing time at Tottenham. Then he goes to Sunderland, and it's the same thing. He's not going to get playing time there. Just, I think he'll get more playing time. I think, yeah, I think he'll get more. Yeah, right, no, but look, like, no one's saying hey, Miyazaki go to the Premier League. No one's saying that. No, I know. I'm just. Uh, I'm, but you know what I'm saying. I'm keeping. No, it I just, I, any I, I move for a young player, it's like, oh my gosh, horrible, horrible. Stay, stay here. You'll play. Well, that's there's something there's validity to that, but but at the same time, I think people are out of control talking about Yedlin's career. Uh, be, hitting a wall, being at a crossroads. Oh, I know. It's, it's, like, it's, it's, he's 22 know. years old. He's 22 years old. He's in the Premier League. A second Premier League team has just picked him up. And I need to clarify this. And I, mean, and I wrote about this. I wrote a column about Yedlin and his move uh, for Gold.com on Wednesday. And I had a nugget in there. I don't know if people even caught on to. But Sunderland paid, and this is from what my sources are telling me, Sunderland paid seven figures. Now it was really low for seven figures, but they paid they paid seven figures in the loan fee to bring him in, and that's not an amount that a team is paying for a guy they had no intention of playing. Yeah, it's, it's over a million dollars. You're not just throwing away a million dollars. This is what I'm saying. So especially I, when I, your team looks like it might get sent down too. Sunderland is off to a horrible. Well, spot. they they look. Sunderland's got a lot of riding on the line. They're exactly. they're actually they're a pretty big they're a big club. They got a big stadium. They have a lot of fans. They need to stay up, and they put and they're putting their money where their mouths are. They invested in Yellen, and for that reason, I think he's going to play. Does that mean he walks in and starts? No questions asked. No, he has to fight for his spot. But I think he's going to have a legitimate chance to get playing time, and I think he's going to get some playing time and have his opportunity. And that's where he needs to take advantage of it. He needs to play well. And if he does, I think he's going to take the job. I think he can. I think he has the tools to do it, but we'll see. 
Well, with that, Ivis, it ends today's SBI show. Before I let you go, because uh, I know you got to go out and party before the game on Friday. Um, actually, you should say where you're going to be Thursday night. But still, anything else we need to talk about before I let you go? No, I think that's it, man. It's a it's a big it's a big week, a big few games for the U.S. and and we we all want to see what Klinsman has up his sleeve. I think more. I think now, as unpredictable as he's been in the past, I think going into the games, I think it's it's as tough. A, a set of lineups as it's been for a while to predict predict with him mm-hmm. because you don't know what he's thinking. He's got seven center backs in camp, so John, Lord Jonathan knows. Specter starting. You can pencil that one down. Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, Tim Ream. I'll I'll agree with Franco. I could see Tim Ream, although personally, you know, Greg normally Garza, I would say Greg Garza, no, Jonathan Specter. Here's why I say I'm not to, not Greg Garza because Greg Garza is not playing for Atlas. He's not in form. Uh, he's struggling in Atlas, actually, which is why it was a little surprising that he got called in. He was a late call in for this camp. Uh, I think we're going to see. I think we're going to see Reem at left back, and I think we could see Cameron at right back. I think we could see that combination. I think we could see, and then we'll see. I, hopefully, we see Beasley Gonzalez. Uh, hopefully, Kilinsmill has learned his lesson, um, at least for this first game, because then maybe you know if those two shut down Peru. Maybe it'll help unlock whatever it is that's stuck in Klinsman's brain that makes him think Brooks and Alvarado are ready. You know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens in that game. But uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. This is a this is going to be a, an interesting game. And and uh, there are no emotional attachments. I know I'm Peruvian. Uh, you know, I root it's for okay. Peru. It's okay. You can just admit, admit it, man. I'm not wearing a Pizarro. I'm not wearing an Alberto Solano throwback jersey to the press oh. box. It's not happening. Um, but no, yeah. So it should, it should be good, man. It should be fun. And as far as where I'll be Thursday night, uh, I usually try to make an appearance at the American Outlaws party. I think I will pop in there and then from there see where the night takes me in Washington, D.C., one of my favorite cities. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, we should, probably should have did an SBI hangout. Maybe we should have done one. So maybe I'll do an impromptu one and I'll put it out on no, Twitter. No, what so we will do is we'll do one for the um, U.S. when they play Mexico and, and, uh, and L.A. in October. Are you planning to be there? I've, I'm thinking about it. Ooh, you better be there. You better be in Pas- not Pasadena, but in LA that weekend. Yeah, I can. Go, weekend. I, I can make it happen. I'm not doing anything that weekend. You better. You better make it happen. Clear yeah. with the wife. Clear with the wife. We'll see what happens. She doesn't care. Shut up. <laughs> Come on, you never know. All yeah, right, all right, all right, all right. I'll check with her. Okay. <laughs> exactly. See, thank you. Just prove my point. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna let you go. It's late already. Not too late, but late enough for you to still go party. So I'm gonna let you go, Ivis. You have a good rest of the week, man. Yes, sir. We'll talk on Sunday. Yes, we will. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Franco, for being on. That is Ivis Galarsep. I am Garrett Cleverly. This is the SBI Show.